Hey everybody, I'm Clayton Mashad and welcome to Improv Town, the podcast where I interview my favorite improvisers from Rhode Island and afar about an improv topic I think they're great at. In this inaugural episode, I interview Parallelogrammophonograph, aka P-Graph, about narrative improv and how they're able to create such rich stories on the spot night after night. P-Graph has been performing together for over 12 years and they have a weekly show at the Hideout Theater in Austin, Texas. They're literally world-renowned for their narrative improv skills, and they recently published their book, Do It Now, a collection of essays on narrative improv, which is available at pgraph.com. I had the opportunity to interview pgraph during the Ocean State Improv Fest down in Wakefield, Rhode Island, so thanks a lot to those guys for helping me make this episode possible. I really learned a lot from pgraph, and I hope that you do too. Oh yeah, if you like this episode, rate and review us on iTunes. We're just starting out, and we could use all the help we can get. And now that that's all out of the way, here's my interview with Parallelogrammophonograph. All right, so do you guys want to introduce yourselves for the listening audience? Yeah. Hi, my name is Roy, and we are Parallelogrammophonograph. Yes, uh, I'm Casey. I'm Valerie. I'm Kareem. There's four of us. Yep. <laughs> all right, great. So obviously I want to talk to you guys a lot about narrative improv, but first I figured we'd do some introduction Great. stuff. So so how did you all get started improvising? If you guys want to do your own kind of like personal stories, then we can talk about how you guys came together. Okay. <laughs> um, I got started improvising because Kareem uh, told me we were going to take an improv class. And I said, okay. And then I said, what's improv? So that is how we started, and um, yeah, so I took level one at the hideout, which Kareem and I are now owners of, and um, learned as we did it what it was, so yeah, totally just jumped in with the proper spirit of improv, I guess, without knowing anything about it. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Obviously, it's been working out for you guys. Yeah, yeah, totally. It took about halfway through level two, and then I was like, oh, I'm going to do this forever. Yeah. Which is like, what, how eight many weeks, weeks then? Eight, eight weeks, nine, nine weeks. weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is Casey speaking now. <laughs> I got started doing improv when I was in uh, high school in North Austin, a uh, school called uh, Westwood. And there was a group of improvisers uh, improvising in Austin at that time who had went to my high school and graduated earlier and there was kind of buzz around going to see their shows and about how great they were. And so I'd go and watch them and I thought they were really great and funny. And it didn't seem like something I could ever do. But I really enjoyed watching it. And I just thought, oh, they're just a bunch of funny friends. And they just have fun together doing this thing. And it's clearly like unique to like, it's like funny because it's them doing it. And then um, one of the, uh, a friend of mine, we were all theater students. Um, they also liked uh, this improv uh, troupe called the Well Hung Jury, <laughs> which I didn't realize the dirtiness of that name after <laughs> that really that much at the time. Uh, he decided to start a, a troupe um, with the, our current uh, sort of high school group of people, and uh, I didn't want to be left out, so I so I joined that, and that was like fifteen years ago, and. Kind of after I graduated, in high school I was just sort of doing it for fun, but we were very serious about it and actually started doing narrative at that time 
but with like almost no knowledge at all, just like tons of trial and error. When I graduated, um, I started doing like the free jam that the Hideout Theater in Austin had, and I met Roy and Kareem and Valerie that summer, summer two thousand and five, and kind of dove in a lot deeper. And then, so I've been doing it pretty much feels like every week for about twelve years now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a while. So, so, so in your high school, the the improv kids—that was like the cool kid crowd that you wanted to be a part of. Improv kids are never the cool kids. That's, that's why. That's why I was. Kidding? That's why I was surprised. What? It was like, yeah. well, I didn't want to be left out of what all the cool kids are doing. You know what? Actually, though, it was a cool thing. It wasn't a nerdy thing. It was totally. It was totally cool. It was like having a cool band or something. Yeah. What's not cool about improv? <laughs> I can see how it would like in retrospect like parts of it were super nerdy but it, it definitely wasn't as like lame as you would think I guess given like it is high school kids doing something passionately which usually means dorky yeah. <laughs> but like everybody really I mean it's like basically like if you're successfully like funny and charming that's cool and that wins people over and so I think, yeah, that's what made me also think I couldn't do it because I definitely didn't think of myself as like a cool kid. So, so do you, yeah. do you so you said you hadn't done improv at all right before you. So had you like seen it when 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 I I had seen Who's Line Is It Anyway on TV and I really liked it, but much like Casey, I thought it was uh, something that it was funny because there were just some funny comedians that all. Uh, were charming and I didn't know there was a whole art form around it because they never say on whose line right the word improv Mm -hmm. Uh, and so yeah it wasn't until I was taking classes that I kind of put it together Um, I'd done some stuff that in retrospect felt a lot like improv but I didn't know at the time what I was doing like what sort of stuff Uh, Kareem and I are part of a dumb organization in college that would basically do public stunts that amused us so we'd pretend to be other student organizations that didn't exist and we would like protest the drilling for oil on the like west campus mall which wasn't (laughs) happening you know and we uh would get people worked up about stuff and so we just had to kind of like lie with a straight face and play characters and it wasn't uh later that i realized that was the definition of improv so you guys were just uh yeah improvising as like abby hoffman the whole time yeah (laughs) yeah pretty much uh, Valerie. Uh, yeah, I started in college. Um, a couple of my friends had taken improv classes and then wanted to start an improv troupe at UT. Uh, and so I auditioned for it and I got in. And I'd always wanted to. I'd always wanted to do improv without knowing it was a thing I could do. Huh. Like I liked theater and I liked making things up. And I used to do a lot of debate tournaments in high school. And then when I would get eliminated, I could go do the improv rounds, which are like the consolation rounds. And I always liked those best. Uh, but I didn't realize, like Roy said, that it was like a whole art form that you could actually learn and do. Right. Yeah. So like sometimes I'll tell my friends, like, oh, you should take this improv class. Like, what do you mean a, a class? Like, yeah. what, do you, what do you learn? Which is and amazing it's... that people say that. It's like, well, if you wanted to play guitar, I mean, you could just pick it up and start fumbling through it. But ultimately, you're going to have to figure mm-hmm. it out and learn mm-hmm. <laughs> learn something right. it's so much more it's so much more complicated than just uh, that's true uh, making yeah. stuff up. Yeah. being comfortable just saying words you know i think people think yeah. like, it's just i think when people are like oh that's hard i can never do that it's like because you don't have the tools or the mindset to do it from nothing but, but it isn't amazing that we both we get both 
that's hard. I could never do that. And how do you learn to do that? It's like, well, yeah. how, is, how can it be yeah. both? No, I think it is. I think people genuinely think it's like a personality. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you just have the right personality yeah. for that. And you're either good at it or not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think that's true of a lot of art. People terrible. are like, yeah. oh, I'm terrible at drawing. And it's like, well, have you ever tried like a class? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's weird. I'm awful on a unicycle. <laughs> I'm oh yeah, no, you—I <laughs> legitimately, you're real bad. Yeah, at it. it's strange. I, yeah. I wish I was good at it. Oh, well, there's just no way to get better, though. Yeah. No, yeah. you're born with the wheel between your legs, or you're not. It's true. Yeah, I hope that's not true. <laughs> on my bucket list: get good at a unicycle. <laughs> get passable. Yeah. yeah. Want to be realistic. Well, if you're if you're one of your parents was good at unicycle, you usually are. You know, yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's a recessive trait. It's a <laughs> Lamarckian evolutionary trait. Uh, mm-hmm. Great, Val. Uh, improv, right? How do I start doing improv? Uh, I saw an improv show uh, in New York City when I was visiting uh, many years ago, and I, I just decided I wanted to do it. Uh, I'd never seen improv before, and. It was like a weird light bulb moment. It was like, oh, what is that thing? I want to do that thing. And I, I basically came came back home to Austin and, and found the only improv theater in town, which was the Hideout Theater, and uh, signed up for classes and dragged some idiot friends along with me. Yeah. At that uh, time, yeah. At that time, yeah. it was the only theater. At the time, we were idiots. Yeah. At the time, we were idiots. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then just kind of, yeah, same thing as Roy. Like, just kind of jumped in with both feet and immediately... I never had any goals with it. I never had any intention of even performing. I just wanted to wanted to do it, whatever that was, whatever that meant. And I just really, uh, really took to it. And just like every week was just super fun, playing all the games and learning all the learning all the uh, the concepts and reading impro. Uh, yeah, and I didn't I didn't have any aspirations or goals beyond uh, getting to class the next week and getting to do it some more. <laughs> do you think that you? Uh still would have taken it even if you hadn't gotten any of your friends to to take the classes no, with that's you? That's a good question. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, I signed up and then I told everyone, I was like, hey, this class is starting. Everyone signed up. Like, I was... You get it for that sweet $25 yeah, discount. Yeah, it was a sweet discount. You got 25 bucks right. if you got a friend to sign up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, so I see the real motivation. Yeah, 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 yeah. But did you get 25 per friend? Yeah, right? yeah, so you yeah, yeah. You could yeah, pay for the class. <laughs> they were paying you to take the class. Right. Uh, yeah, it wasn't... It wasn't really a business back then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we don't have that discount <laughs> nope. anymore. <laughs> don't need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny because I, I did the same thing, like, to take the first class. Like, it was like, oh, I want someone to take it with me. And it's so weird thinking of thinking back on that now because, like, the improv community is, like, so receptive and, like... Sure. And, like, it's almost like if you moved somewhere else, this is the place that you would go to, yeah. make, to make friends. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It's so it's so weird, like, thinking about the first time, like, oh, take this class like by myself yeah yeah I, de- I definitely it's weird I, I definitely didn't have any apprehension about that which is particularly strange because I was never until I did improv I was never a performer I was never on stage I, I, I didn't and still don't like uh, attracting attention but I just I had I guess because I had no concept of what it was or no aspirations beyond just taking the class I wasn't projecting like whatever potential nervousness into the future I was like I just want to do this thing I'm really intrigued by this thing I don't know what it is but something about it uh, got its hooks in me like immediately yeah I think yeah for me too like even in like watching and wanting to go back and watch it over and over and wanting yeah. to sit in the front row and then wanting to give suggestions like I was falling deeper and deeper into being yeah. like 
like I wanted to be on stage, which took a while to like realize that. But there's that mm-hmm. the excite excited like spontaneity of the moment and yeah. and delight um, that like you just don't get in a lot of other mediums, mm-hmm. and like that is so compelling when you witness like a good version of it. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like amateur improv that's really full of desperation, fear, and control tactics is completely awful to watch mm-hmm. <laughs> and a huge turnoff. But improv that feels like free and pure play and fun and delight and joy and discovery is yeah. is freeing to watch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting. Um. So then, how did you guys all? come together to form uh so we basically once we finished classes there weren't there were only three levels of classes at the hideout at the time roy and i finished classes we'd met we'd met valerie pretty early on at a a workshop we took uh roy and i kind of didn't know what to do next like well what now what and our teacher was like oh you form a troop like okay and i think we'd already we sort of had that idea in the back of our head but we needed a little nudge like okay i guess we'll form a troop um so we had we basically formed a troop. Uh, Valerie lied her way into the troop, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> by, te- te- by telling Roy that I said she could be in the troop, and then telling me that Roy said she could be in the troop. It's like, like the Man. classic, uh, yeah, classic <laughs> child. Oh yeah, like, mom totally. said I, mom said I could do this. Is that totally right? works. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't that we wouldn't have thought of her or wouldn't have wanted her in the troop. We just assumed she'd had so much more experience than us that why would she want to play with a yeah. bunch of idiots? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were idiots. Yeah, we were idiots. Just time. wasn't a lot of options. Yeah, there weren't a lot of options. No, that's yeah. true. She settled. That's, um, that's an honest. <laughs> and then uh, we had a couple other people in the troop uh, at that time that we'd taken classes with, and then we added Casey when she came back uh, from college, about two and a half months after we first started rehearsing. Uh, we like we knew we, we wanted her in, a, in our troupe because we you know played with her in the jams and 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 maestro that was happening at the hideout at the time and um, yeah so we just kind of came together and then started fumbling fumbling through trying stuff and being real bad at it. <laughs> and the four of you the whole time. It's, well, it was this, it was six of us for a little while after about the first after about the first eight months. Uh, one guy left, and then I think about nine months later, another guy left. So after about the first year and a half, after the first yeah, fifty first fifty shows, we had some other people, yeah. and after that, I it's think it was show nice. number eighty. Is that when we came together, the uh, four of us? Oh, and, maybe. and that was um, fifty eighty. What's the difference? Uh, we sell, We had our. We remember. had show number fifty with. Yeah. With uh. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> remember number two. With he who must not be named. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fine. No, it's 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 been, it's been the four of us for for since uh, I know when it was yeah. uh it was since August twenty uh oh, sorry uh I was going twenty oh seven August two thousand seven twenty yeah yeah, yeah. So it's, been, it's been the four of us yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's the weirdest way you could say that August. Two double oh seven. <laughs> Since nineteen hundred and hundred and seven. Two auto seven. <laughs> so yeah, yep. yeah. So that's a. I mean, how many years is that? Ten. Two hundred and ten. So it's been the four of us. For ten years. It's been the four of us for ten years. So really, the yeah. the uh, great majority um, of the time, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and even early on, I mean, as you know, as much as we were 
learning our way through and getting our feet wet, we were pretty serious, at least about yeah. like knowing. We, we knew it would be a thing that we would be involved in for probably at yeah. least a year. It, yeah. it felt like at least a year long commitment. De- dedicated is, is definitely mm-hmm. a, weekly rehearsals yeah. and like we, we made were, like goal lists, and yeah. which we've conquered. We did all almost of them. all of them, which is crazy because it was like pie in the sky goals too. You know that you'd think you would never like traveling to other states to go to improv festivals, <laughs> yeah. which we're traveling currently to other doing. Countries. Teaching workshops. Writing yeah. a book. Uh, well, I don't even think writing... That we definitely did, back then. <laughs> back then, we did not think at all that we would be where we are now. We just mm-hmm. were like, we want to get good at... <laughs> we, a weekly show. We, a weekly show was on the on the list. Yeah. And we have, been, we have had a weekly show for almost 11 years? What, are you about to say something? No, 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 it's fine. Uh, did I say something weird? No, you said uh, we didn't think where we we'd be where we are now and I'm like <laughs> Wakefield, <laughs> Rhode Island <laughs> doing a podcast and, uh, yeah. yeah we had no 10 years ago we had no idea we had no idea <laughs> oh man you never know where life's gonna take you you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be weird if we had known we'd be in Wakefield Rhode <laughs> 10 years from now Wakefield. I told you. <laughs> you can check us off the list. Ten-year plan. Oh, that's awesome, though. But I do think it was funny looking back that even early on we we had this like goal list thing. Yeah, for um, sure. And then we did get sort of we were helping out a, a, the, a new theater in Austin in a way fill a, a much needed slot when they opened. Um, that's how we got, got our weekly show that started out first at uh, the Cold Town Theater in Austin, and then we moved it after three and a half years over to the Hideout Theater, um, which is where we all kind of met. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think having that weekly show slot and, like, not having a ton of rules around it, it wasn't like they told us, oh, you have to come do this show, and it's it, you have to do a Herald, or you yeah. have to do... A montage or you have to do short form or you have to do a narrative it was just kind of like what do we want to do we wanted to do narrative it wasn't being done a lot in austin and but it wasn't it wasn't it even wasn't, it wasn't that strategic it wasn't like oh it's not a thing it's being done it's like we just all we just yeah, kind yeah. of wanted we wanted to do, do narrative but i think part of it's like maybe if a ton of people had been doing it at the time yeah would it we, have attracted us i don't know no that's true we've been less but I, I think we were pretty gung-ho to discover it and then we just had this time slot every single week where you like mm-hmm. you know yeah that's awesome. You're on your on your feet, and like mm-hmm. you know, after you do, you know, a hundred shows. Yeah, I was gonna say shows, you seem to you have know? a. Uh, you guys seem to have been counted. Do you know what number we, you guys are we on? We do. Now? We do actually. We counted it. We were on a train going from London to Amsterdam. <laughs> Uh, a few weeks ago, and you we the, you have the count Royce casually, and no. we and we decided to like to, we hadn't looked at it in like two years because we used to have a, a counter on our old website and we got it we updated our website design and then lost this like little counter mechanism <laughs> that helped us count our shows, and uh, so we went back through like two and a half years and like yeah. just I think it's a, I think we're at like Wait, six eight. six hundred and eighty. As of a couple weeks ago? Yeah, as of May 19th, <laughs> uh, 680 shows. Yep. As a troop. Yeah, as a troop. That's as a troop. Us. Yeah, not as individual, but as as parallelogram of phonograph. Yeah. We've done about 680. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> so, uh, so for people who don't, aren't familiar with you, how would you guys describe what you do? We do um, fully improvised plays i would say would probably be 
that's our main that's that's our main thing um we do other things as well we really like to explore style and tone um and always be experimenting and trying something new but i guess it's always pretty theatrical mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, even if it's, you know, in different modes of what an improvised play means. Sometimes yeah. a, a, one long story, beginning, middle, end. Sometimes slice of life. Mm-hmm. Sometimes something a little more abstract. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, on average, uh, most of our shows are one story. Most mm-hmm. of them. Uh, and we really love geeking out about how to accomplish that. And uh, also where we can kind of push improvised storytelling. And it's but storytelling's all, yeah. the wrong word, so... Yeah. Yeah, well, storytelling, you know, so it's not like we... We only like, have a couple of shows that are <laughs> actual storytelling. Like telling a story, yeah. like yeah. in the way you think of storytelling being... Got like, around the fire. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, <clears throat> yeah uh, and, the, and the key components of that are, like, doing one long story is, like, from, like, one suggestion of some kind. doesn't have to be that way, but basically all made up in the moment... Um, with almost nothing premeditated or decided in advance, which I think that confuses some people. When we do like a costume genre thing, we'll know like, oh, it's a, it's a French farce. So we know it takes place in like, probably in a, some kind of location in France and that it's like a certain kind of style and we're wearing these costumes, but like the actual content is completely created in the moment. And we don't decide like Valerie will always play. The, this kind of character. Yeah. We try to have only as many um, kind of support structure as yeah. we need to create the tone, mm-hmm. I think. And then yeah. the content is very free and open. Restrictions to provide inspiration rather than safety. I think that's yeah. the, kind of the guiding, uh, yeah. guiding yeah, philosophy. That's a good way to look at it. And so you guys have, uh, you guys do a bunch of different forms, mm-hmm. right? What are some of your... Uh, or some of your favorites that you guys love doing? Some of the hits. Uh, yeah. The thing that we do the most these days is called New Works. Um, and it's really fun because it's such a it's such an umbrella that it can be a totally different show from night to night. Yeah. Basically, we get, really quickly, we get a, an actual play title from a book called the Dramatist Play Service Catalog of New Plays. I think the version we have is 2009 to 2010. <laughs> an audience member reads out a bunch of different titles from it. Uh, until we hear one that inspires us we take it and then each of us thinks of a synopsis for the play uh we tell them to the audience and the audience votes on which one they want to see so what that means is that like sometimes they're sprawling epics sometimes it all takes place in one location yeah it's sometimes it feels like an arthur miller play sometimes it's a sci-fi epic sometimes it's cinematic yeah yeah Sometimes it's a medieval morality play. Sometimes it's a really dark, dark and sinister. Sometimes it's like completely light and fluffy. It like yeah. it's so different. And we, I don't even. I'm trying to remember when we started doing it. Was it probably uh, 2011 or 2012? 12, I think. Because when we started uh, doing that regularly, and a lot of our other formats and shows and things, we'd switch up a lot. But this one, it just and we can even kind of say like, okay. This time, like, nobody give a synopsis that's, like, a sci-fi synopsis because we've been doing that. That's come up too many times. And we can put, before we go on stage, kind of some parameters on, like, our own boundaries. But it just keeps giving. It's it's really nice. It helps push us uh, to do stuff that 
so we don't fall into a comfort zone. And yeah. the audience is getting to vote also lets us know like what that specific crowd wants to see, and and so that's also surprising. And then they're kind of rooting like, can they pull off what the synopsis <laughs> kind of promised? <laughs> yeah. Because um, sometimes the synopsis, sometimes they vote for one because it sounds so impossible. They they kind of are like, oh. Yeah. And how like detailed are the synopsis? Synopsis. I'm it, trying to think. Like, sometimes they're pretty vague, but. Valerie, I think, gives really detailed synopsis in general. <laughs> it's, um, I mean, if you're looking at like a story structure, we basically will give the once upon and every time until one day it tends to be kind of it's like a movie trailer, you right? Know? Yeah. So, like, for example, the yeah. one we did on Friday, uh, I think Friday, um, the title we got was "Barrel Full of Pennies," and the uh, the synopsis that the audience picked was, uh, I think, I said, uh, "This is a David Mamet inspired." office drama where uh, several workers uh, who are doing their job uh, are distracted by a contest that's a barrel full of pennies that's appeared in the office. Like, that's it. I think that was basically it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that gives us kind of enough to establish tone. Yeah. It was fun. It was real fun. I know Valerie, Valerie, Valerie was sick, sick and sick. she missed it. it was, it's, it's on, that one's actually on our uh, Facebook page. Oh, it is. Yeah, we, uh, we streamed it. It's, cool. Yeah, we streamed it. So it's, it's enough I'll to give us... I imagine what I would have put in there. It's enough so to good. give us a springboard, yeah. uh, but it doesn't... It's it's not it's not telling the whole story by any stretch. It's just enough to, to pique our interest and the audience's interest um, to then just mm-hmm. start. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's fun because in coming up with the descriptions, we can be really specific, like in the style of this right. playwright or we can leave a little more open and yeah, let it happens. kind of be discovered we often say like the oh, year yeah. is you know yeah 1932 yeah and <laughs> james edwards is a young news reporter with a story to tell yeah and you can be like in this whimsical madcap romance and kind of yeah. like push it different directions yeah. or you can just so you're also kind of even playing on the genre mm-hmm. yeah oh, oh yeah valerie started doing something that i really love oh but also God. felt like a cheap shot which was she includes like review quotes in her <laughs> oh, she'll right. be like an amazing tour de force says the new york times and i'm like oh, it's cheating yeah. <laughs> yeah. i just i get bored so yeah. I want to like yeah. I'm always like you have to see this play <laughs> <laughs> I must see I'm glad I voted for that one said Hideout Theater audience member <laughs> oh my god but we haven't gone that far yet we, yeah, we will no, we I, will we will this week I just I always like to be like what? how can we yeah, twist yeah. this yeah. how can we turn it yeah. like what are we missing what have we not done no, that's totally right. which is which, like again that's yeah. kind of or when do we need just some comfort food yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah go back to an old standard it's been a long time since we did something with hillbillies mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, hillbillies are the comfort food of improv. The 1930s, and a group of misfit kids encounter some whimsical hobos, and they all learn a little bit about. And we we're like, yeah, we can do that show in our uh-huh. sleep. Oh my god! Yeah, you're just. Like, Where are you going, kid? <laughs> Gee, Mister, just let's get it on the side of the tracks. Uh, give me some beans first. <laughs> and recite the hobo uh, oath. Yes. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yep. So uh, what yeah, are we so talking about? So we're talking about our, our favorite formats. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we yeah. talked for a long time about that one. Um, yeah, another one that's similar, but a little more, um, I guess, constricted? Not really constricted, but a little yes. more specific, I guess, is um, we if we usually have a group opening for us. So um, Quick study is the form. Yeah, so we'll come on with a bag full of just all kinds of different books that we've selected um, anything from novels to how-to books Plays. to children's books, plays. Instruction manuals. Yeah. Uh, and 
we'll blindly pull one out and then while the first group is performing we'll study that as our source material and then do a show inspired by whatever it is so we've had like you know some like great like Arthur, we pull out an Arthur Miller place so we do an Arthur Miller inspired yeah. show um, Murakami was one Murakami, that we did yeah. where we were super scared looking at it because it's like this great classic of literature now yeah. that people look up to and we were like ah. modern Japanese magical realism yeah. like, and it, then we had, it was like one of our one of our best shows like surprisingly and then we ended up going on to, to work with a playwright to like develop a whole format called box and string around magical yeah. realism which that became the basis for yeah like and then like but also weird stuff like uh like that's like children's bible stories one yeah that was like kind of so you just do your best in the like 25 minutes while <laughs> yeah. the first group's going on to like study as much as possible and make some very quick decisions about how you're going to yeah. present it on stage. Yeah, and I like it because it really pushes us outside of what we're oh, comfortable yeah. with, and we but just have to make those Make decisions. wild assumptions. We yeah. come like, up with wild, like, you know, uh, it's like, okay, this one's going to have this kind of narrator that talks to the audience, and um, we'll, like, yell up at the tech booth in front of the audience, like, what we kind of want the tech booth to do so they can see that process. And we tell them, we tell the audience kind of what we were doing backstage so they know, like, we were reading through this book and we read some of it aloud and we also looked up some stuff on Wikipedia and we kind yeah. of discovered this thing about it and there's like all these um, like characters in this that are kind of sexist and yeah. um, well <laughs> so you guys will see that and <laughs> I think the thing both of those formats do is you kind of letting in the audience on your process right and so yeah. they they kind of buy into what you're trying to do with yeah. you and it gives you more freedom to like mess up. Yeah. Or, you know, to lean into the weirder aspects of that uh, tone or genre. It also, it also, one thing I like about it, about both those formats, is it gives us, it gives us a quicker path to doing something very specific. So whatever we're doing, whether it's the play description, you know, new works, or, or analyzing uh, or researching something for um, quick study, like we might, quick study in particular, we might get that author or that playwright's style their themes we might get it completely wrong but whatever we've determined is that is their theme or their types of stories like that becomes the thing we do that night and it becomes a very specific improv show a very specific story that wouldn't have happened otherwise and yeah, I think there's a lot yeah. of value in just mm -hmm. like going right out of the gate with something super specific and then being inspired and, and being inspired I yeah. think we're, we're I mean that's been a huge thing for us is to be inspired from the very beginning moment and not to do yeah. the thing where you spend the first 15 minutes of the show finding the show yeah. and then deciding, I guess we'll go with this part of the show. Yeah, I guess this is this has got I the most heat. I guess it's the show. Is yeah. it the show? Okay, I guess we decided that's what it is. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I have another idea for what the show could be. Could we try and do this other show <laughs> yeah, instead that in. now that we've been doing it for 20 minutes? <laughs> in simulation. Now, yeah. if you'll review the tape, you'll notice. <laughs> and great work, guys. <laughs> and cut. Cut. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's funny. We, we talked about those two formats. Mostly we do those in Austin. Mm -hmm. um, but on the road, we're known for like our costumed theme stuff. Um, in part because it's more marketable, mm -hmm. but like like I said, our French farce show is the one we've probably performed the most um, nationally and internationally because we have like a special like makeup for it, mm -hmm. sort of this mm -hmm. like white face clown kind of thing um, that just kind of emphasizes our features and kind of gives <laughs> us a mask to work through as well yeah. as like this kind of costuming like Valerie and I are in these flouncy dresses <laughs> with like petticoats and like you know. Yeah, uh, lots of ruffles and stuff, and we've and and then uh, they're the two men are in uh, three piece suits, 
but um, we've practiced a lot of physicality things, so there's like a lot of like falling down, like pratfall type stuff, but it's also very witty. So it's like a highbrow, lowbrow uh, kind of thing, and um, very affected and super stylized. And so that yeah. one's very fun and different. And then we have this uh, 1940s screwball comedy, which is like a romantic comedy, um, very much like the... Like and Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those old fast, fast talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those are like, I think those are our two most popular, like fun, fun time formats that yeah. people want us to do. And then we mm-hmm. have darker ones Grimm's as well. fairy tale. Oh man. Which um, is total nonsense. <laughs> we're going to be performing that in Sarasota, Florida um, in July. Yep. At um, the, uh, we ha- yeah, we have a show called Villainy that just, instead of focusing on like a hero or a protagonist, it kind of focuses on the villain as the main character of the story and yeah. just bad things happen and we let it get really dark. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's pretty popular in some places. That is. No, people, <laughs> I love it and other yeah. people love that one. And we have a one called Eris 2035, which is... <laughs> A psychological, like a space sci-fi sci-fi yeah. drama. Um, <laughs> Pretty specific genre, but when people like it, they love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's only it's, uh, only eighteen years away. I know. <laughs> Every year we get closer to to Eris now. Eris twenty thirty five. Who would have thought that there was a possibility? <laughs> I know. I know. I'm trying to think. Yeah, yeah. We have a, a bunch of other ones. Like I said, the box and string one is the one we last developed over a course of several months and presented and yeah. it was this crazy magical realism mm-hmm. I, I mean I, I i think that shows pretty phenomenal and um, there's a lot more to mine in it too we need to we're gonna bring it back i think yeah. um yeah yeah those are some of the cool so there's two uh so there's two of your forms i wanted to ask you specifically yeah. about one yeah. because um i tried to do something similar and then another one because uh I wanted to understand. <laughs> so the first one, I, I have no idea which ones. You I hope that I hope they're both the ones we haven't mentioned here. They are. Oh okay. my gosh! Uh, so the first one is the impromatic. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, me and my friend Tiffany did a similar form. It wasn't so you. So the way you guys do that form, from what I read, so it's just some old timey picture, and then you use that. As a uh, suggestion, we of... we use that. So the way we did it, we, it was a way of I think it was kind of a way of just adding a little chaos into our shows and to just kind of shake us out of a rut and uh, keep us nimble. The way it and way we ended up working in practice is that uh, initial photo. So I, I think a friend created an app. Yeah. Now we would just use like an Instagram app or something. I think, but uh, a friend created an app that basically like shuffled through all these photos and up on a TV. Up on the TV, the audience could see, and then the photo photo stops. It's like, all right, that's the initial pose we're gonna strike uh, to start the show. And the kind of setting too. And the setting, yeah, 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 yeah and the, the tone. And, yeah, and they, the, they were all old photos for the most part. A lot of black and white mm-hmm. ones. So it'd be like yeah. a guy in a yard with a couple chickens. And like a kid on the yeah. ground looking up at him or something. Yeah, so I guess kind of the way you would imagine it, the kind of suspension of disbelief, is that you start with that photo and then the photo comes to yeah, life yeah, right. and the and action happens. Recreate a tableau. Yeah, yeah create a tableau. Yeah. So start, start we, the show. we start, and the whole time we're doing that scene, the photo is up on the TV, which is <laughs> up in uh, the. Yeah. yeah, I know. We're all thinking of the same moment. We'll get there in a second. Um, and then. Um, <laughs> And then when that scene feels done, one of us goes over to the computer and hits the space bar and it makes the flip through more photos again. And then a new photo comes up. We strike that pose 
and then integrate it into the narrative we've started telling. As the same characters? Yeah, I mean, well, if, if it's wildly different, we might we bring in new characters. And then as it goes on, I think we take more liberties with it. It doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be the exact thing we see, but we strike the same poses, at least. And if there's a chicken, there's a still a chicken in that scene. Yeah. And then we just make it make sense and we move the narrative Yeah, and it's forward. like, oh, maybe this girl was obviously 12 in one photo, and then there's like a... 22 year yeah. old but we'll just kind of make it the same character more or less yeah. if it makes sense or yeah if it feels good and but I love like sometimes there's like a photo with like a giant baby and then you have to you have a giant <laughs> baby in the, in the show which yeah we had the this one great show we had where Valerie did like I played Valerie's mom who had like yeah. birthed this giant child and it wasn't like a spe- it wasn't like a specially part of it it wasn't like giant baby takes over city. It was just like an abnormally large just kid. Just a world because of a this large photo, baby. this woman, like this baby looked like it was half her size. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, stuff like that that's like kind of funny. Um, and then there's this one like moment we were in a show. It was a bunch of kids gathered around the Outside house. Outside the house, yeah. And, and like and there were three the kids. We're, doing, we're like, oh, there's three kids. And I think it was it uh, Kareem and Val and I doing the yeah, scene. Yeah, maybe. And then all of a sudden... Roy's like yells out a little. There's like a little window on the set uh, that we perform at um, at the Hideout Theater, and Roy, it's like yeah, I just yelled, in. I just I just yelled something like, "What's going on out there?" or like, "I want out" or whatever, I mean, and they all like look at me, and then everyone looks at the TV, and you notice that there was this little kid in the window that, like, really that no one had noticed initially, <laughs> and the whole oh, audience didn't notice either. Yeah, oh, it was a great nice. moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know how we made it work, except that it's just a, it's it becomes that becomes the game of the show. It's not right. like we're trying to make it seamless. Like we're trying, we play. It's a game of like jump and justify. Right. You know, it's like we have the story, and then something comes out of nowhere, and we have to like pull it in and, and keep going. And, and as the show goes on, we kind of take more liberties with interpretations yeah. of the photo. Yeah. So it's not so it doesn't feel like a story that's being pulled all over the place. Yeah, we'll like weave in an yeah. element of the photo, or or sometimes we'll just cut to a whole other location. Yeah, and have them talking about the events of the story, but like and then we, cut back. We yeah. try not to make the photos. We don't let the photos sabotage the story we're telling, and, yeah. especially once it's got momentum. The thing that's key to that, and like any other show, really, is keeping the story as simple as possible. Yeah. So that you don't overcomplicate things, because the simpler the story is, the easier I think it is to just like add one other piece to it and integrate it without yeah. completely turn, in, turning it into yeah. chaos. And by simple story, Roy just means like the you know kind of the action of the story. Um. The action can be more, you know, like, you know, um, man hates jo- hates himself and his yeah. job and his current situation. Man right. uh, looks for a new job that will give him fulfillment. Instead of like, man looks for a job. Man also looking for a new wife. Man right. also having problem with drunk father. Man also... Yeah. Finding a suitcase full of money and tracking down the man who lost it. Then being tracked by the man who made him lose it. Meanwhile, we follow that bus driver we met in scene two back to his home for no reason. <laughs> Yeah, and he buys a puppy. But it's like within man looking for a job. There's like, you know, obviously it can be a, a huge cast of characters, um, a lot of rich relationships, and uh, interesting kind of tone and style mm-hmm. throughout it. So it's kind of what you hang on it instead of um, like I guess where you go with it. yeah or how far you can yeah. go yeah with it. If that makes sense. So what happened when you tried to do it? <laughs> um, 
So it wasn't necessarily narrative. It was just the idea of like a picture's worth a thousand oh, words. Yeah, yeah, so sure. instead of uh, yeah, so just instead of getting a suggestion, it would be like the same thing. It would just be a random photo, but uh, didn't Man, have that, as much success as it seems like. That's hilarious because I was like, oh yeah, that'd be really fun. That'd be the most obvious way to do it is yeah. not do mm-hmm. narrative. How we do that? Yeah. We, it's because I think it's because it it seems straightforward to do it as a montage. Like what yeah. what if we did it as a narrative? I think maybe there's some. I think maybe if doing it as a montage, it might get uh, the gimmick, the, the gimmick of it, the novelty of it might wear wear off. I don't know. So yeah. may, in did some we ways, try it as a montage first? I, I think that I think maybe. that is what we did. I like, think it was part like, of PPFF. We were like, like ah. that's thing. We do this thing every once in a while. Called, we call PPFF. We call it PGRAPS Personal Fringe Festival. <laughs> to ourselves. To and ourselves. No one else. No yeah, one else cares. we just think it's fun. We advertise it that way, and I don't think anybody gets it. Like, I mean, they still come to the shows. So we'll do like eight weeks of crazy experiments, and that was one of them. Informatic. Informatic, and then it was like, oh, if something goes well in PPFF, then we'll like do a longer version of it. What's the other show you have questions about? Uh, Chairs. I knew it. God uh, damn it! That's the one that. (laughs) This is our stupidest show. Where do we? Where did you even find? Did it's you probably just on the website. This is our okay. So cha- oh, this is the stupidest show any improv troupe can ever do. Everyone no, should do true. it. Everyone yeah. should do it. Uh, so here's here's this is where chairs came from. Years ago, we saw Rosowski and Clifford, uh, Dave Rosowski, yeah. uh, and his partner were Karen <laughs> and Clifford. Is that her first name? Anyway, uh, saw their duo, <coughs> and they basically do their show. It's a series of scenes where each scene starts with them moving two chairs around. They sit down kind of settle and then start start some uh, relationship uh, heavy scenes which it was great and it and was then a, between the yeah but then like throughout the whole show they so they edit by like yeah, yeah. each scene the they, they get up and they move the chairs so it's kind of the chairs are kind of in, in, important to the, yeah, yeah. Of, like, the inspiration uh, and it was it was a really good show really inspiring we really liked it and and as a joke one of us said well their show was really good with two chairs. <laughs> Wouldn't ours what, be better with the whole thing? So, therefore, clearly, mathematically, ours would be ten times better if we had twenty chairs. And we were right. And then we... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, then we did that. We did a show where every scene... We basically crammed as many chairs as we could on the stage. Every scene started... Um, or was edited and then started by us, like, kind of reconfiguring the chairs into some yeah. room. While the third man theme While the third plays. man theme. That's very important. important. It's very important. You can um, edit in the actual third man theme at this point. Your version's great. So then we'd, uh, <laughs> we, we, we'd, we'd sort of settle in the new stage picture and then start a scene. And that that is it. That is the entire show, yeah. the, the entire is, concept. It's pretty, it's pretty much a montage. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of forts. There's a lot of forts and uh, ruined Sweet. buildings oh and therapy <laughs> sessions <laughs> and restaurants and walls. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and just like everything, it's um, we with each reconfiguration of the chairs, we're looking for something inspiring and yeah. different yeah. that yeah. will spark. We're not really looking for a gimmick so much as we're yeah. looking for uh, a new space and inspiration. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of trains. Um, yeah, life rafts. So that's how that show worked. It was completely stupid. We're saying stupid. a lot of because that happened once. Everyone should do it. Times. Uh, it's really fun. And a bizarre stage picture to see so the crit- many chairs. Yeah, crit- and and you can stack, if you get stacked yeah. in the chairs and that's an option you got. <laughs> yeah, you I, think, I think the really important thing, if anybody out there wants to try it, is that in the arranging of the chairs, you must be very calm. Deliberate. Yeah, yeah. And deliberate. You can really injure yourself. Yeah. Too. We did have, I remember one instance of stacking up the chairs... 
And we had brought, we had done this format a couple times with some guests, and I remember some guests getting a little too crazy and like sacking up like a stack of like nine chairs and then trying to climb on top, and it's just like the audience doesn't want to feel scared for you, you know? It's like they like to see a challenge, but they're not like, they're like I didn't come here to watch. (laughs) Like amateur yeah. Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. Wait, guys, I just had an idea for a really good format it's called Amateur Cirque du Soleil. It's we all go to the emergency room. Uh, it makes me want to go back and buy that marionette puppet I saw at the smoothie shop. At Smoothie Booty? Yeah. Fine place to eat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and, and, and has shockingly fast internet. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, not calmness not only for safety but also like it shouldn't be about like trying to get your idea of how the chair should be out there it's just kind of like very much puttering around on stage and being like oh i see what you're doing it's so dumb it's so dumb that there are a lot of people who know like how who know how serious and how pretentious we can be about uh our improv formats that they're always pushing us to do chairs because it's Stupid. It's we stupid. should do narrative chairs. Um, Chari- we haven't done charitive. That. Charitive. Charitive. We should do charitive, and we should also God just do chairs again. It's been a, it's been like several years since we've done it. Um, yeah. It time can get away from us like that. <laughs> oh yeah. It's uh it's kind of bizarre uh, to be like. Oh, this is like two years, three years since we did that. Last. The important uh, important guideline is that it. I, I, the number of chairs isn't that important, but it must be an unreasonable amount of chairs yes. for the stage. Mm-hmm. That's the that's important. whatever the probably, size is, because if it depends yeah. on the size of the stage. Probably, yeah. probably, I'd say twice, at least twice as many as you have performers is a good starting place, depending oh. on the size of your group. Say, like that's a bare I'd say three minimum. times. I mean, there's four of us, so yeah, eight chairs <laughs> wouldn't be that much. No, but like you know, larger groups. If you have 10 people in a group... I'm How much time did you allot to discuss <laughs> chairs? Because we're going to keep going. So, if you could... Sure everyone at home is like, I gotta, I'm trying this Which, out. I bet we could come up with a formula that yeah. would give you so a So, if you got number. an 8 foot by 4 foot stage... Yeah. We'll you, post the math number after. It's the way... It's like when you convert uh, Celsius to Fahrenheit. It's yeah. not like... Yeah, yeah, you just look, there's like a constant plus a scale. Yeah, yeah, look, I think, to, I think there's a very important question we haven't addressed. Hey, Siri. How many chairs is an unreasonable amount of chairs? Hey, got it. Oh, it says shares. <laughs> one one, one share is yes. too many. One share is enough. <laughs> what were you saying, Kareem? Nothing. I was going to say a dumb joke. It's way, way past. How many chairs is an unreasonable amount of shares? <laughs> Wait, new format idea. Shares. You get a bunch of drag queens yes. just like share. Oh, I was thinking of like stock shares. shares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, next question. We're idiots. <laughs> yeah, sorry, we're morons. And we were idiots. Yeah, yeah. Now we're back to being idiots. <laughs> so, despite that, you you guys wrote a book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Maybe because well, of any that. idiot can write a book. Any yeah. can write a book. Clearly, yeah. that's my next book. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be another but format. we did we did do that and it's a new thing that's our it's new for us it just came out last November mm-hmm. 2016 you can get that at pgraph.com you can pgraph.com slash our book I think mm-hmm. is what I named yeah it. also yeah. Uh, my but backpack you can get that from my backpack yeah yeah, yeah in it. case you're here in Wakefield right now listening to <laughs> this, I know, podcast. Yeah, this podcast <laughs> if you're outside the door always has them in his backpack yeah. everywhere so if you ever run into Roy yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so you guys want to talk about like the eight beat story spine first? The what? The like the Story's eight beat spine? story oh, spine. Eight beat. Yeah. yeah. Is that what you guys call it? 
eight week. We just call it story spine. Yeah, yeah. story spine. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I learned it as like the eight beat story. Oh, interesting. It's interesting because yeah, it's it's kind of more like three beats. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, so story spine. Um, it's we learned it pretty early on when we were, we were fumbling through doing narrative. Um, it, it provided a lot of guidance uh, because our stories were getting too complicated. Our stories felt unfocused, uh, and they weren't they weren't resolving because they were so complicated, and we didn't really know uh, which characters to follow. But uh, story spine comes from at least the first time I, I saw it written out like that was uh, in Ken Adams' book, How to Improvise a Full Length Play. Right, that's the one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so basically, story spine is just a, a, a descriptive way. Uh, to lay out stories, it's it's less of a template or a format, and more just how stories work. So it basically all stories or Western stories anyway follow pattern. Uh, once upon a time and every day uh, until one day because of that because of that because of that until finally and ever since that day, which basically uh, really condenses down to uh, there there are some people in a place living their lives, uh, something disrupts it, which causes some stuff to happen until uh, a new normalcy is reached, the end. Yeah. That's stories. Um, mm-hmm. So Once upon a time, and every day, until yeah. one day, and because of that, and because of that, and because of that, until finally, and ever since that day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just thought I'd say it. Well, Kareem just did. said it. I know, I know, but he, he like, <laughs> but he like did the different, like not the actual lines, right? No, yeah, did. he did. He did say them all. It's good for oh. the people who are taking notes. <laughs> Must have blanked out somehow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, story spine goes. Once upon a time, <laughs> okay. every day. Once upon a time, everyone repeated the story spine over and over. What is it? Do you, what is? What do you think it is, Valerie? <laughs> I think it's. Once upon a time, oh. and every day, until one day, and because of that... Oh my god, we just like traveled 12 yeah. straight hours yesterday, and then got, I got like four hours of sleep, and I'm so out of it right now. I should just say that in case anything else I say sounds weird, because I really feel like I'm like, woo. All right, listeners, you've been warned. Yeah. <laughs> an hour later <laughs> yeah so that story's fine once upon a time oh my god <laughs> <laughs> all right uh, so yeah what, what what that story's fine uh we could babble about it forever yeah, we love what, it. yeah it's what pretty you, it's a pretty vague topic what do you want no to i mean we'll tell we, we will talk yeah. about it forever so yeah. if there's anything specific you we want wrote a to book about it so. we'll, uh, yeah <laughs> right Okay. Yeah. So uh, I think that the reasons the reasons why we like it so much are that uh, pretty much all stories can uh, can be told in that uh, using that simple structure, and it's not like it's not like we break every show we do into eight parts and think like, okay, now we need to do the second, and because of that, it's more it's a super useful tool for analyzing your shows after the fact, uh, specifically like. Oh, that show felt a little weird. What went wrong? Well, we didn't... Usually the answer is we didn't spend enough time in the once upon a time and every day portion. Mm-hmm. We jumped right into the until one day and uh, and no one cared about the characters and didn't really know what was happening in the world. And so, uh, and so they couldn't get a handle on why they should be caring about the story. And you start to... When you start doing that sort of analysis, you you start to have those instincts in the show and can kind of course correct. So a lot of times, 
something super interesting will happen right away that disrupts the people in the scene and then you're like well we kind of messed that up so you start backfilling you flash back you you meet the characters even though we already know what happens to them and that becomes seems like a super interesting choice rather than a corrective uh and the story as a whole still will fit that uh kind of model and template um that's pretty cool so like so the goal is to devote a certain amount of time to each part, and if you accidentally don't do that, then you just so, find clever... It's, it's, it's less about dedicating time and more that if you realize that... If you realize you're into the part of the story where events are, are cascading and causing other events to happen, but you also know nothing about the main character of substance, you can then kind of, because it's improvised, you can take the time to retroactively fill in like well here's why this character means something to the to the protagonist um it's 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 kind of about uh, just taking stock of of where the emotional heat of a story is and if there isn't any and you're already significantly into it you have to mm-hmm. you have to backfill you have to you have to do that mm-hmm. work right um, yeah if you, you, need, you need that platform either you need way. It. yeah you need yes, to have it and yes. you can and you, and you can get away with retroactively adding it it's obviously not as clean as as having it happen in the beginning but you can do that and then suddenly mm-hmm. uh get back to the actions uh back to the story actions happening and it, it feels that it just has more weight it'll feel more satisfying so yeah like if you saw in the story like a a guy and his wife and say you also get off on the wrong foot with like just having him straight up argue with her yeah and you, but then him leaving her should mean something. You can flash back to the early days of their when relationship and how beautiful and happy it was. And the audience is like, oh. Now yeah. they're bought in. You know, they're like, yeah. oh, we want, you know. Get Not to just like, that. good. I'm glad they're separated. Yeah, they clearly needed some space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, a, a good, I, I guess we've never even really talked about this explicitly, but I think our, our sort of internal compass, kind of the internal gauge is like the, if you can't answer the question, why should the audience care about this, then you need you have some backfilling to do. Yeah. You know, if if there usually if you know if there's not enough um, if there's not enough emotional weight in in the actions that are happening, it's because you haven't given enough time to show why the why the main character cares, why the things that are happening are important, why they have to succeed, or or why they're trying to succeed. So you can. Yeah, just do you literally do a flashback or have an aside or some kind of scene where there you even if it means pulling a character you've never mentioned before so mm-hmm. that they can have this moment. Oh, for sure, we do this that moment to add depth. Uh, it's huge, and and yeah, it also gives you a lot of focus. Uh, the middle part of the story spine, which is the end, because of that, they're all directly connected to each other. Yeah, uh, and so it's not just like a story's not just and this happened and then this happened and then this yeah. happened. It's uh, and because of the thing we just saw, this other thing happened. And because of that, this other thing happened. And so what it means is that, like, um, your show doesn't, like, start with one character, and then we meet, like, a milkman, and then we just follow yeah. the milkman for a right, while. Right, right. Uh, and we get kind of confused. So a lot of a lot of groups who are dabbling in narrative, who their only model for an improv show uh, might be something like the Herald, We'll, we'll think like, oh, we'll just do three unrelated scenes and then we'll follow each of those threads and then we'll make them come together and then that's a story. Yeah. Uh, but that, while it can be a very satisfying story, uh, is making your job way more difficult uh, because you're basically trying to weave three story spines. And diluting and, the whole thing because yeah. you're trying to do a lot with plot, which we only need to know enough about plot 
to you know as much as it carries the characters through situations to make mm-hmm. us care about them. Yeah, then your scenes become more about how do we make these three things make sense together than about how do we make this one thing important yeah. and fun. Yeah, and fun. I think that's yeah. a key component to, yeah. t- to talking about. It's not like we're doing this <clears throat> in part to just like tell a really smooth story or something yeah. like that. It's like it's, yeah. it's, 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 um, it, it, yeah, it, it, by understanding these concepts and really f- knowing the story spine in our bones and keeping the story simple, it gives us that freedom to kind of stretch and, and deviate a little bit and, and play stupid improv games and play dumb side characters and stuff that we know is ultimately inconsequential to the story because we know what the story is. Yes. We know, or we know, we know what the story is revolving around. Uh, we might not know how it's going to resolve, but we know what the emotional core of the story is, so we can kind of stray for a bit, provided we know, like, we got to get back to whatever that thing was and continue that. Mm-hmm. that story. Yeah, we play game, like, in the Chicago sense or the UCB yeah. sense, like, Const- all, constantly in narrative. <laughs> constantly, but it, yeah. Like, the story spine is just a spine, and the scenes are the meat that hangs off of it, and the simpler the story is, the more time we have to fuck around. Yeah. yeah. So you have a scene, and, like, we spend the whole time playing some stupid game, you know, like every time one character sits, the other stands, you know, and that gets heightened. And it's just, it all comes up organically. It's yeah. not like we're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's time for a game. Yeah. I'm going to introduce the, it's going to be a word at a time thing. No, it's, it's not like that. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's more just like discovering it, discovering yeah. some <clears throat> bit of fuckery, either with the characters fucking with each other yeah. or the improvisers messing with each other or mm-hmm. something. And, and I kind of feel like, uh, you know, one of the things that we love about performing together is that that kind of that fuckery dial gets dialed up or down depending on the mood we're in uh, in a given night. It's like if we want to do some some more uh, serious theater inspired improv, there might not be as much of that fucking around and kind of. Can we cuss on this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't edit any of it. Okay. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I know we have already been. I thought I, I, I didn't good. until just now. <laughs> I've been very good. I've been real good. Podcast. What is? Oh yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, like, we, we can we can dial it up or down depending on, on like the mood we're in, you know, and, and the sort of. Yeah, because then you, then you can play out of inspiration and not obligation to make everything make sense, yeah. make everything tie together, make everything yeah. wrap up. You know, sew up every little thread that you've put out there. You can just let threads be fun color to the world. I think people spend the most time worrying about how they're going to end stuff or how they're oh, going to tie yeah. it together. And, yeah. and like, you usually can just find that... Very quickly. Pretty yeah. easy. It's pretty... It's like, if you do good work in your platform and you really put that time into making stuff important, usually it wraps... You'll find... You intuitively find the ending. Yeah. But if you spend the whole show worrying about where it's going and how it's going to... Where it's going to end up... That's kind of death to the... Yeah, you can't find a satisfying ending at that point because there's nothing that will satisfy the audience except for you can hope to end on a big laugh and Mm -hmm. hope they don't notice. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. it'd be really clever. Yeah. Uh, So it sounds like you guys use a lot of... um, a lot of kind of... uh, tools from like outside the traditional narrative. Um, Like you guys were just saying that you you guys will play games and stuff. And then uh, you also do edits do you get how do you guys we are uh the broader answer to your question is we are equal opportunity thieves yeah. we steal from anything, anything that works and yeah anything and everything uh because we want to sh- we want every possible tool in our tool belt uh all, we, all parts of the buffalo yeah <laughs> yeah we like we, we i mean if something's inspiring and fun we want to figure out how to use it figure out how to do it how to apply it uh and do it how we like uh, how, use it in the work that we like doing 
Um, as far as uh, edits specifically, um, we we started out I think doing mostly sweep edits in between scenes, just because that was the simplest uh, and most direct, most obvious way to do it. And at, honestly, as we've done more and more shows and, and worked together more, it's pretty rare that we do a, an explicit sweep edit. Uh, yeah, someone will so someone will just enter the stage and start a new scene, and we'll just we'll know we'll know it's a new scene. And, I did and one recently in a show, and I was like, "Is P. Ruff judging me?" <laughs> a sweep <laughs> edit? Yeah, I did a sweep edit because I was like, oh, just, "I want to be really clear about this." It's, it's fun. I do them sometimes. Yeah. 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 I mean, cause we can also. I always feel like the sweep edits are a little bit like, "Get out of here." Yeah. <laughs> well, there's also the "Get out of here" edit. Yeah. yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> um. So, yeah, we, we basically, I mean, this is a really interesting topic, mainly because it... it you said traditional narrative, but yeah, I don't what know did what you mean by that. that. What, 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 what does that mean? I would turn this mic around, but it's omnidirectional. <laughs> <laughs> like a, like a one-actor, two-act play that, oh, yeah. just, that doesn't have any edits. And it's oh, just yeah, 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 that's true. Oh, we do that, too. We yeah. do that, too, but yeah, uh, I, th- I think that actually is an interesting distinction between... Um, Improvised plays and scripted plays. Improvised plays tend to have more uh, locations and edits we're, we're, because we can. Because we can do it, we're free to just be like, poof, now we're in a forest. You know, it's like, because we're able to do it, we kind of take the more um, cinematic approach to editing and, and jumping locations, whereas uh, traditional scripted theater can't uh, just because of the restriction of, of building sets. And, 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 you know, and, yeah. uh, it's interesting. Uh, or at least we, the we, well-made plays. We recently yeah. went to... Uh, we recently went to London, and while we were there, we saw a lot of theater, and I saw a, a lot of theater. And like, while yeah, a lot of plays all took place in one location, uh, just as many played just as fast and loose with their transitions. There were some that even had a stage set, staging set up to where there were no, you know, uh, sets, so that mm-hmm. they could quickly swap many, 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 many scenes and transition a lot and edit in their own internal way of editing. But that's not traditional. I mean, I mean that, yeah. that, that, that is remarkable for right. scripted work. Right. It, it's, it the was. other funny thing is, like, even the big musicals uh, that I saw, oh which gosh. had elaborate sets, they were topping locations just as much or more than we do in an improv really? show, but the difference is they're flying in these huge sets. Right. You know, and there's peop- other people yeah. in costumes, so it seems more purposeful. I was to say musicals, I think. Yeah, but like, I think it's more because of the popularity of television and cinema now. That's our touchstone. It's really bleeding heavily yeah. into it's a over big into inspiration. live theater, but people want to, which is quickly jump locations and have lots of characters and. This yeah. one play Casey and I saw called the Our Lady of Perpetual Sucker. Which was uh, solely acted by these like Scottish uh, women. Uh, they played all the characters and yeah. uh, rapidly switched scenes and made huh. the audience catch up to what scene and characters they were playing. Yeah, and it felt very much like the yeah. way we would do it in an improv show. Yeah, yeah except true. that they had it planned out. It you know? yeah. yeah, still, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. And I was on the way. But it is fun sometimes. We do enjoy like trying to do an improvised play that feels like an old style scripted play. Um in terms of like But that's that's the exception for us is like doing the one act or the two act where it's like just two locations. Like that's a pretty hardcore uh decision, tonal decision for us. But I love it. Yeah, like the 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 mammoth one we did on Friday was very much like one location, one act, hour long. And like we've done stuff so we, we do stuff at the hideout theater and we also all have our kind of hands very 
strongly in what the Hideout Theater does, which is an improv theater in Austin, Texas, that has two stages and uh, does uh, 11 shows a weekend and all different kinds of things. And there's a lot of people there. But I was thinking about our Chekhov show oh, yeah. um, that we did, a, a show called uh, Nothing and Everything, improvised Anton Chekhov plays, directed by a, a fellow named John Bolden. Um, and that... Um, I do all of the like sort of scenic design for our bigger shows at the hideout. And we had like a fully realized set of like a kind yeah. of drawing room um, with like older chairs and ben- benches and a rug and a table and a samovar all and real, real food yeah. and real like tea, <clears throat> fake vodka. Um, real grapes. Real grapes, though. Real bad grapes. She only had one time. Somebody bought some really but that, grapes. But that show was explicitly by design a four act like it was broken up into four acts. Um, yeah, two yeah. in the first half of the show, intermission, two in the second half, but all fully improvised still. Mm-hmm. And all in the same setting. In the same setting. I think yeah. that was a... Gosh, it was so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. All of it's so fun, though. I, I think of <clears throat> improv as only one thing, mm-hmm. um, only one form. Uh, I would have lost interest yeah, years ago and me. just moved on. Or even if it was just like, no, only... Like, I know so many groups that it's like, we are the group that does... You know, only improvised musicals. I I I could not do that. I could not yeah. do that. I'd be so so bored. I I don't know. Um, that's one thing that we kind of built into the DNA of P Graph early on was like perpetual keep, dissatisfaction. Keep no, <laughs> oh, we had we had that going in. Yeah, we yeah. did we did have that going in. I think we're much better now. I mean, now we're also so busy making other things in Austin. We're trying to be trying to be exhausted, so exhausted you can't be dissatisfied. Yeah, that's just that's a trick. It's but just true. like changing it up, like yeah. like not yeah. settling and like and 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 knowing now that like if the way of you're getting a suggestion is not inspiring you, if you're bored with it, right. if you feel like you're playing the same kind of characters and doing the same kind of stuff like Poke at it. Yeah. Talk about it. Don't allow yourself the luxury of, of boredom and familiarity. You know? And yeah. like, if it is that Fuck way, why is it that way? Yeah. And like, ask yourself about it and then like, take other classes and read other mm-hmm. things. And that's why that quick study format and the, and the uh, new works format are so great for us. Cause it's just like, you know, I don't know that I would naturally want to do like whenever we end up doing kind of like a crime thriller yeah. type show, I'm like, that's not my genre. <laughs> I don't in- necessarily enjoy that genre sometimes that much. you actively hate it sometimes yeah. I hate it and yeah. like but we're doing that show and we're leaning into that yeah yeah and it's like it's it's so great and we never also put the pressure on ourselves to be funny like that's not something we talk about we never talk no. about that aspect of it i think our, i think we are very funny and i think our shows are often pretty comedic but i think years ago kind of taking that off of the the way we talked about the work helped the work immensely. Yeah. yeah. And then we don't have resentment over like, oh, Kareem was the funniest one tonight or something. Yeah. You know, that happens never, in other groups. You know, happens. there's like a... So yeah, check the laugh chart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, thinking about what, what leads to longevity um, in a group. And yeah. at least for us, it's been... And, and, and any relationship is like that. Sort of actually paying attention to how you feel about it, what's going on, yeah. and never putting it on autopilot. Autopilot is death. Yeah. yeah. Autopilot is death. <laughs> except, except if you're in a plane, in which case autopilot is vital. Uh, you should always have it engaged. <laughs> Self-driving cars aren't good enough yet, so autopilot, it can be death. I think you need oversight. 
What were we talking about? <laughs> it goes once upon a time and every day. <laughs> so, right, so that brings like, so I had some more I had some more stuff I wanted to touch you guys yeah. about. Yeah. But, uh, Let's do like, it. How much longer do you guys have? We don't care. I don't know what do you, how long, I don't even know how long we've been going. Uh, a little over it's an hour. Days. Yeah, let's keep keep it going. I don't know. It really it's it's, it's up to you. Obviously. It really like Roy's uh, just So I had uh I had an idea for a segment. I don't know if it's going to work. If it cool. doesn't work, okay. uh, let's do yeah. it. Edit it out, I guess. Is, is this like, try eat, fuck, Mary or whatever? <laughs> no, that is not, that that is not how it goes. Hold on. We got a new Wait. Hold on a second. All right. Would you eat, fuck, Mary, Casey? Ready? <laughs> no, no, no. I thought it was kill, pray, love. <laughs> Kill one person, you have to pray to one person, you have to love one person. <laughs> I'm sorry, let's, like, eat, please, eat please ask your question of us, please. I'm Britney sorry. Britney Spears. No? A, uh, uh, a trip to India. And a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Um, fuck Britney. Uh, what were the other two? Chicken and, and a, a trip, trip to, to India. India. Oh, God, wait. Uh, Man. <laughs> Mary. Marry that chicken. <laughs> and, and eat the trip, the trip to, to India. India. Yeah. Right, that was a huge waste of money. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, so it's, to, no, it's more like a story spine challenge. Oh, okay. Ooh. Um, all right, so I have two ideas. We'll see if either of them work. Okay. First one. How many of you guys have seen Game of Thrones? I've read the books. I've seen some of it, like the first season. Oh, I was afraid that there wasn't going to be a... I've, read, I've seen some of the first season as well. I read the first ten pages of the first book and stopped when he spent two pages describing a sword. Oh, so maybe this will maybe this will just be... Maybe it'll be fun because you guys all have different levels. It'll kind of be, it'll kind of be like the quick study. Okay. So, uh, quick study of George R. R. Martin. I was going, yeah, I was going to challenge you to, uh, to each uh, give... Your eight, your uh, oh god, for, your for, 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 for game of thrones, for game of thrones, because your not, your yeah. argument is that even the most yeah, 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 yeah. story yeah, yeah. Oh, can be boiled oh, yeah. down. Totally. I can do that. Yeah. I don't, we don't yeah. know any details, so that's easy then. Yeah, yeah and, and obviously it hasn't been concluded, but you guys can each give your like guesses on what you imagine. Yeah, the, yeah. the uh, int- the until one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you okay. want to start? Yeah, I've got, I've got an idea. Okay. Uh, once upon a time, uh, there was a kingdom with many separate lands, and every day the mm-hmm. people of the kingdom would go about their kingdomy business in their in their separate ways. In their separate ways, uh, until one day uh, the king, the main king, died mysteriously, mm-hmm. and because of that, other people started vying for the throne. And because of that, they schemed and plotted and fought, and a lot of people died. Uh, and because of that, things escalated with more plots and plans until finally someone won and, and ruled the Iron Throne. And ever since that day, there has been uneasy peace. Yep. It's until the zombies came. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You left off the zombies and the dragons. Yeah, but you know, side. That's side pretty things. much what I got. I think I, yeah. once I would start, I would I would make it more focused on the Starks, which are one of the families. Mm. Once upon a time, there was a like an aristocratic uh, family called the Starks, uh, who uh, ruled uh, part of the Seven Kingdoms up in the north, uh, and uh, every day. Uh, 
Ned Stark would teach his children about uh, honor and loyalty and what it meant to be a fair ruler. Till one day the king died under mysterious circumstances <laughs> and Ned was called uh, to the um, uh, King's Landing is where it's at. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there was a lot of magic and stuff that was currently lying dormant. Um and uh, because of that, um, people started vying for the throne, either overtly or uh, mysteriously. And because of that, as magic began to seep back into the world, uh, the power dynamic was shifted even further. And because of that, a lot of fucking people died, mostly the poor uh, people, uh, until finally um, somebody. Uh, oh, until finally the Starks, in some fashion, were restored. Uh, became rulers of the Iron Throne, along with probably Daenerys uh, Targaryen, uh, who had a dragon, three three of them. <laughs> and ever since that day, there's been an uneasy peace. <laughs> and it's winter. Oh my gosh. Jesus. Um, once upon a time, uh, there were some people in a place that's uh, not uh, here. <laughs> and every day, they went about their lives doing their stuff. Until one day... People were upset about something and did something big. And because of that, other people did big things. And because of that, other people got upset and some people loved each other. Um, some people didn't. And because of that, more people got tangled up in what was going on. Until finally, some kind of bargain, I guess, happened. <laughs> bargain. And then ever since that day... There was day, a sale on Iron Thrones. And ever since that day, some other people went about their business... <laughs> you did watch the first season. It sounds like uh, basically wanted, every historic yeah, event yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to go for like the yeah. most the broadest general. Cream is yours mainly food related? Uh, here we go. I okay. got it. <clears throat> Actually, I don't have it, but I hear yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, once upon a time, there was a great sword forged in the hottest fires of some <laughs> mountain somewhere <laughs> Wait a or minute. something. <laughs> And every day the sword was uh, used by great warriors far and wide to slay their enemies. Until one day the sword fell into the hands of someone who was questionably moral. And because of that, the sword was used to kill some people. And because of that, those people's people vowed for revenge. And because of that, great wars ravaged all of the world. Until finally, the sword fell into the hands of its just and rightful owner. And ever since that day, there was a throne. Yeah. <laughs> is there an important Great. sword in this story? Uh, there's I, a no. sword in the first in the first uh in the beginning. He spent so much time talking about this goddamn sword I threw the book uh, down. It does get uh it does get melted down and made into two other swords. Yeah. Does but it? But it's not well, it's not, sig- alert. It's not special. It's not significant yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, to oh, to because the overall. Because of that, world. Kareem got tired of reading the book. <laughs> 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 oh my god. The best way to digest those books is Audio form. Audio. Yes. I highly recommend. It. Yeah. Yes. That's oh, how. Roy right. Dotrice, great, so great reader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. What's your other? What's your other challenge? All right. This one is a, a challenge between you. Between you guys. I've <laughs> created. I've written out a story spine to a classic story. Oh, good. Oh, awesome. Oh, you guys guess what it are is. going to guess. Oh, what it yeah. Is. We're we're Princess Bride. Who's right? We Star Wars. We play this game all the time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. All right. All right. Is it? Is, do we hit the buzzer when we think we know? 
where as soon as we think we know, we, we I think we in. should listen to him say it the all whole the way thing. through. Okay. And then each... We'll each write down our answers. Yeah. And each then... write down your okay. answer. That's... Okay. Right. We'll go and whisper it to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great for, uh, for a podcast. Oh, yeah. It's real, it's real <laughs> good radio. <laughs> I think they can. But we will just whisper it into the microphone. But <laughs> all, right. all right, all right, here we go. Here. All right. Once upon a time, there was a lonely orphan, and every day he would toil under the disapproving watch of his aunt and uncle, till one day he found out that his father had been some sort of great magician and warrior, <laughs> and because of that, he left his home to learn the truth. Uh, because of that, he learned the powers of this magical way, and because of that, he became the target of dark forces with evil plans, <laughs> until finally he defeated the dark forces and avenged his family, and ever since then, good has pre- prevailed over evil. That's basically two, it's two possible ones. Oh, shit. Let's, well, let's all say what we think it is. All right. Broad. Are you going to whisper into the mic? Uh, I think it's the Star Wars trilogy. I was yeah, gonna say I Star Wars, and it also fits Harry Potter yeah. actually. Oh uh, yeah. Um, oh yeah, it does. <laughs> and yeah. probably, and probably you're supposed to write your answers down. And <laughs> probably also several other. Uh, or his, pa- are his parents killed, mm-hmm. or are his yeah, yeah. caretakers killed? Yeah. There. Well, he lives with his aunt and his uncle. But are they? No, killed? They're not killed. They're no. not killed. Oh, that's true. They're not killed. So that yeah. does make it definitively. But they're dead inside. You never said that the aunt and uncle were killed. <laughs> no, they're okay. not. I thought you said they were killed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe, so yeah. Maybe you didn't say they were killed at all. What did you do? All right. Final answers. Yeah, I thought Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars is what I was gonna say. It was a trick question, oh. and you guys, it was both Star Wars and Harry Potter. Yeah! <laughs> I wrote it to purposely be vague. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's, great. that's great, because I never really tell how close they were. Oh, yeah, because it means straight I, up. I, I forgot that he lived a child born of, the, of 1987, mm-hmm. I, that may, makes, that puts me more firmly in the Harry Potter camp, mm-hmm. so yeah. I was, but I, but, but Kareem and Roy are in the uh, Star Wars camp, I don't know yeah, where, yeah. where yeah. the gallery lies with it. In between, I think. In between, yeah. Yeah. I uh, forgot that the Dursleys were. Uh, I, I forgot they were aunt and uncle, technically. Uncle yeah. Vernon, yeah, aunt Petunia, yeah. Yeah, it's great, and that's probably. I mean, I'm. Yeah. Sure, I can't think of examples right now off the top of my head, but I'm sure it's many, many other stories. Right, you know? it's the I most mean, stereotypical. Yeah. It's because uh, it's, it's it's such hero journey, yeah. you know, yeah. the classic hero's journey uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. Specifically, yeah. aunt and uncle is part of the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then Hercules went to live with his aunt. Who <laughs> <laughs> were moisture farmers? I don't know. Oh, Odysseus lived with his aunt. Robot in the underworld. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Juliet yeah. had perished, so Romeo went to live with his aunt. <laughs> <laughs> That's your fanfic, Romeo and Juliet continuation story. Oh my God, that sounds like yeah, yeah, she just drinks the poison Person and just runs. dies. I just want to know that. What did he do next? <laughs> like, he's still only 14. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, All right. That's well, great. thank you guys so much yeah. for doing this interview. Yeah, this is fun. Yeah, thank you for having us and letting us... A ramble. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, I went... I thought that I like wouldn't have enough stuff for us to like <laughs> talk about for Oh, we did for talk about chairs for 35 minutes. Yeah, so. yeah that was time well spent. Yeah, yeah. it was your most important work. <laughs> Alright, great. Thanks, guys. Thank yeah, you. thank you. Thanks again for listening to the first episode of Improv Town. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you listen to this podcast. If you're in the Rhode Island area, why don't you check out some of the local improv talent? Providence Improv Guild has shows every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at 8 o'clock. 
the Contemporary Theatre down in Wakefield, currently doing Maestro at 9.30 on Fridays and Theatre Sports at 9.30 on Saturday. The Bit Players do short form down in Newport. They have shows every Friday and Saturday. And the newest theater in town, Wage House, has shows every Friday at 8 o'clock. Uh, you can check out their websites for more information. And they all, most of those theaters also teach awesome improv classes, so you should check those out as well. And don't forget to check out the next episode of Improv Town, where I talk to Kaiza Coco, a Finnish improviser, about teaching and doing improv all over the world and why she thinks silence is golden. See you next time.